0: Okay. Hi everyone. Aaron here. Um so, this is this is our first episode um of the new HS Christians, the thing you've been waiting for weeks for. I apologize first off for having to take an extra day on this thing, but the audio for like that we had for yesterday, we lost so we had to re-record it and upload it today. So uh, it's kind of been a last-ditch effort to mix this, to get it sounding good. But yeah, we're going to... This, this won't be a common occurrence. The episode for um, Thursday of next week, we're actually going to get recording in a couple of days. So that way, that audio will be there. And then we're just going to have it backed up so we don't lose it. That's that's kind of where we're at. But, yeah, so this is the first episode on disciplines of faith. And we're talking about the Bible and reading it. Now, this is an interesting one for me to talk about, considering I'm sure I'm in the same boat as most of you. I don't read the Bible too frequently, which, honestly, I've been reading it more often now, trying to research for this this show and research for this episode in particular, and I think, you know, I think that this is something that I should be doing more often and that you should probably be doing more often too, so hopefully we can hold mutual accountability on what I'm about to talk talk about here right now, but yeah, so, you know, we're just asking the simple question today of why read the Bible? There's nothing too intense about this. I am going to be pulling up scriptures, but it's not going to be, it's not a full sermon. It's not going to take 45 minutes to get through this. This is just kind of a quick run through, almost like a sermon diet. Why read the Bible? Well, a few good reasons. I think number one would be because God told us to. In um, Let me flip to this page here. Okay, in Matthew 4-4, Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Yes, I'm reading from my Bible. And I find that, I believe that this scripture is telling us that God wants us to read our Bible because we can't live on not just bread alone, but we cannot live with only... Our voice. Our voice being the only thing in our head. Um, We need to know the word of God. Thus. Or that way we can. Kind of have God's voice in our head. And so. I find that. I believe this scripture. Is God basically telling you to read the Bible. So that's. That's one reason. Um, Number two. The Bible is the word of God. So. There can be kind of some confusion if you are in the faith enough to know that the scriptures are set up in several different books, which are basically several different pieces of text written by several different prophets. But what you'll find is that all of them are actually from God's mouth, in a way. Uh, 2 Timothy 3... 16 through 17. Give me a second here. I have it marked. There we go. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and righteousness so that the servant of God, us, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So, it is, as, it sa- as Timothy says, God-breathed. What does that mean? That means that God is the one who wrote it, or he basically invoked the writing of the Bible. Um, To kind of get a better idea of this, we also do have 2 Peter, if you give me a second here. Here we go. We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable. You will do well to pay attention to it as the light shining in a dark place until the day of dawns and morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in human will. But prophets, through human spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So, in essence, God invoked the Bible. God wrote it in a way. Even though all of these other people wrote it across centuries, literal centuries, the Bible was all compiled and written by God over the course of several centuries. Yeah, and if you ever wondered why the Bible is such a long book, well, when you spend a century writing a book, then, you know, y- you'll understand. But yeah, so God said so, it is it is the Word of God. Number three, it will meet you where you're at. And I think this is important, and it actually ties in with number four, so I'll give you number four right now, too. The Bible is hope. So where do I get that idea of the Bible is hope? John 3.16. I'm not going to read it too much. I'll just kind of refresh your minds on what John 3.16 is. It's, for God so loved the world, he gave his only Son... I think you guys know that scripture by heart well enough that I don't need to recite that whole part, but I find that that is a good example of it being hope and as far as it will meet you where you're at Hebrews 4:12 For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow; it judges thoughts and attitudes of the heart nothing in all creation is hidden from god's sight everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account so basically god is there and he sees everything that you're doing and scripture is the way that god kind of shows you what you're doing whether you're aware of it or not or if you want to admit it or not and will help you there. That's kind of what Hebrews is getting at here, is this idea that Scripture, well, God sees everything, and Scripture answers any question or any doubt that you may have, or it is the response to any course of action you may take. I believe that is what Hebrews is saying there. Romans 12.2 is another good verse to be looking up here. Here we go. Romans 12.2 Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. This kind of fits both with hope and meeting you where you're at. First off, God's pleasing and perfect will for you. Hope. You have a future. Jeremiah 29.11 It's something I've actually been writing in yearbooks for the end of the school year. And it basically says that God has God has plans not to hurt or harm you, but to prosper you. I'm paraphrasing it, and you can look up the Bible verse for yourself because I don't have it marked. I could only mark so many, but Jeremiah twenty nine eleven is another good verse for that. Number five here, and I believe this is the last reason, but it's also the biggest reason. It's the one I took the most notes on is you can trust that the Bible is true. Now, I think a lot of people um, kind of want to consider the Bible as this old stuffy book that isn't relevant anymore. That's not true. The Bible actually has a lot of truth to it that a lot of people don't realize. Now, it's always easy to try to point out this or that and try to disprove this or that. And to those who are actively trying to disprove the Bible, I believe that whatever you're looking for, you will find it. If you're looking for a reason not to believe the Bible, you will certainly find it. If you're looking for a reason to trust the Bible, you will also find it. I believe that people's wills oftentimes cloud their judgment and allow them to sway either way that they want to go. So, can you disprove the Bible in your own twisted logic? Sure. But I find that the Bible is pretty close to fact I've actually been what I wanted to bring up here first was not actually any scripture but I've been reading a book recently Bill O'Reilly's Killing Jesus which is historical it's a historical book about basically the life and death of Jesus and all of the outside factors that played into that from kind of the geographical political all of that And I find that it's a very interesting book, but one thing that I wanted to take note of that I didn't know and that I found really interesting is that the North Star, the star that the Three Wise Men followed, actually did most likely exist. And what it was and how they were able to follow it was it was a comet that was a very slow-moving comet that lasted in the Earth's atmosphere for 70 days. It was actually cataloged by several... Chinese um, Chinese astronomers. So that's a really cool fact right there. And I think it's just one of many pieces of evidence. Another piece is the... If you've ever seen the movie The Genesis Code, it actually... It's a sweet movie, but it also has a part where it explains how Genesis, the whole seven days theory, actually coincides with the idea of the universe being created after the Big Bang. That's also a really cool thing to look up, but I don't have that cited, so you can go check that movie out for yourself. It's called The Genesis Code. Um, also, the Bible has probably some of the most consistency. So we we said that all these scriptures have... They're, they're spread across the centuries. And, of course, if, it's, if the whole story is inspired by God, then God's going to kind of keep historical consistency. But if all of these... Separate people are writing it. They have no way of doing that on their own. So think back to, I believe, yeah, Genesis. Think back to Genesis when Abraham, when God asked Abraham to kill his son, Isaac, and he said that he would provide a lamb in place of his son. Towards the end of that story, he said he would provide a lamb in place of sacrificing his son. But what we actually found was that God had sent them a ram to sacrifice. And the interesting thing about that is God is actually foreshadowing there by using the word lamb. He didn't misspeak when he said, I'm going to send you a lamb. He was actually talking about Jesus. And I think that's amazing because we see all of this lamb symbolism um, throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament for Jesus. But that is, I believe, the first account of God referring to Jesus as the lamb and it's so it's so subtle if you're not looking for it if you don't realize it it's a very subtle detail that god says you know i'll i'll send you a lamb to sacrifice in this place of your son and then he sends a ram it's almost like he's trying to confuse us there by making those two words rhyme though they didn't rhyme in hebrew but today it's almost it's almost kind of sneaky and perhaps coincidental but perhaps sneaky but I find that that's really interesting, and it shows kind of the consistency of the Bible, all of that um, terminology there, as well as the consistency of several prophecies, not just ones related to the Lamb, but several prophecies made throughout the Old Testament, and you got to remember that these prophecies are also in the Torah, which is the Jewish book. Um, some of them, not all of them. But these prophecies were all fulfilled by Jesus Throughout his lifetime. Now, the likelihood of you fulfilling a prophecy, just to kind of give some comparison here, set out by anyone, is greater or it's less than winning the lottery. You have less of a chance of fulfilling an ancient prophecy than you do of winning the lottery. And Jesus fulfilled over 300 or over 400 prophecies just in his lifetime. That is a little much to be a coincidence, but I think it's interesting how these prophecies were all made in the Old Testament, and they were all fulfilled consistently. So you could argue, and, and if again, if you want to disprove the Bible, you you can in the sense that if that's what your will is, you want to and, and you want to believe that all of these prophecies were maybe like edited in after Jesus's life or something like that. If that's what you want to believe. Certainly, you can believe that, but I think that what, what happened here is not that. I believe that what happened here is actually a legitimate God-given miracle, and the only way so many prophecies could be fulfilled by one man is if God was there to write them. So, it kind of all connects there. And last thing on you can trust that it's true is indestructibility. The Bible has survived countless generations of um countless let's well, just survived countless generations back in what is it it's like I'm trying to remember the name of the guy because this is again another site that isn't bible related at all, but there was an emperor right it was the emperor before emperor Constantine I believe who wanted to get rid of the Bible. And so he literally had every Bible burned, except there were a few that slipped through the cracks. He had every Bible burned so that Christianity would no longer proceed. A couple slipped through the cracks, and of course, the next emperor after him, I believe it was Constantine. But I could be wrong, and if I'm wrong, I'm sorry. I'm, I don't have a history book in front of me. I just have the Bible, which is kind of like a history book, but it doesn't go that far forward. And... Constantine actually took the Bible to be the national, the Christianity to be the national religion after that that old emperor died. So, irony, first of all. And second of all, the Bible, anytime you try to kill the Bible, it comes back stronger. It comes back to bite you. But there are several other examples throughout the course of kind of the Dark Ages with um muslims trying to erase christian history actually throughout throughout the years of the dark ages and yet much of that history is still prevailed not all of it of course they did get some of it but most of that history has prevailed and it's prevailed because we have historical documentation of it the bible biblical documentation of it so the bible is indestructible in a sense So, what reasons do we have going back? We have, God said so. We have, it is the word of God, which ties in with God said so. We have, it will meet you where you're at, and it is hope. Again, those two tie together. And then, you can trust that it's true. These are kind of my reasons that I found for reading the Bible. You could probably find more on your own, but this is what I have. And yeah, here we go. Next week will be... Prayer and why why do we pray? Why should we pray? That will be next week's episode and it will come out on Thursday. I will I will make a solid guarantee of that. But yeah. There you go. That's it. My name is Aaron Helms and I'll see you guys next time.